episode three, Sports Voice After Dark, coming to you live from Evanston, Illinois. Well, not live. You're listening to this on a podcast, so we're not actually doing this as you're listening to it. But we are coming to you, uh, recording this on a Tuesday night. Should be out for your listening pleasure on a Wednesday. Austin Miller here, joined by Matt McHugh and, of course, our producer, Matt Malik. Matt McHugh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm finally back in Evanston. I've been back in California all summer. The Raiders have won a football game. They've, they've won a football game. The A's are Playing. a baseball team. They are a, still yeah. a baseball team, still in Oakland, so that's yeah. good. Uh, the Warriors, I don't know if you heard. They did blow a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. Everything else so far has been a distraction. (laughs) FYI. Um, So just in case you didn't know, that did happen. um, (laughs) And I do feel for you. Yeah, that's all right. There's someone, I don't know if you know his name. His name is Kevin Durant. Yes. pretty good at basketball. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I believe I did hear that that might be happening. So uh, we'll follow up on that next week and see if that actually comes (laughs) to fruition. Uh, We are here, a special all-Northwestern edition of the Sports Voice After Dark. We're going to be talking Northwestern football. They won a game. Uh, the best team on campus, and I don't think it's particularly close, and a little Northwestern volleyball first year and our new head coach, Shane Davis, before I get a much-needed redemption in the lightning round after what could only really be described as a farce of a loss in my last appearance on this podcast. If you're, if you're listening, get very excited, because uh, I know both Austin and Matt have been preparing. We're ready. They've been studying up. It could be. The most well prepared coming for you, Goran. History coming for you, Ben Goran. The record's ready. gonna fall. Born the record's ready. gonna fall. But let's start with Northwestern football. Um, that first game, the first two games, were about as bad as I think anyone could have expected. Two losses against Western Michigan and, and Illinois State, but the Wildcats bounced back. They got a win against Duke. Matt, did you see anything different against Duke? Or did they kind of do the same things and just got some different results? Okay, so, yeah, before we start getting all super excited, like, hey, they won a game. Yes, that is that is good, but <laughs> but Duke is not a good team, man. They are, Duke lost to Wake Forest. They're not good. Yeah. <laughs> we came into this game, I think, like six-point favorites, uh, yeah. Northwestern did. Yep. Uh, and that's after losing to Illinois State at Certain home people uh, in certain particular things with Skittles on the line may or may not have been really confident in Duke losing by less than six points uh those people would be me uh looked pretty bad so yes hey, but yeah the line know, was northwestern you know skittles minus are, are just candy skittles are just candy yeah they are just candy they are not actually refugees uh, <laughs> the first and last political statement that would be made on this week's edition of sports boys it's a wild take yeah. but yeah they beat duke like that's good they that's gotta good. win are you feeling that different though I'm not feeling too different. I'm feeling a little better. I'm feeling a little better because they were able to get the I ball I mean, it's moving. generally better to win games than to lose. It is. It is better to win games than to lose games. And you, as the great uh, Trent Dilfer once said, you cannot win games and lose games at the same time. <laughs> really hard to argue against <laughs> that point. Fascinating so let, logic. Let's, let's kind of look at this by a position-by-position position breakdown. So Clayton Thorson was... I thought he was okay in the first two weeks. I honestly did. Um... Obviously, he had the big turnover against Western Michigan, which you hate to see. Anyone will tell you it was a bad play. Clayton will tell you that. Pat Fitzgerald will tell you that. Whatever. It happens. Flushed it. It's over. thought he played all right against Illinois State. He was in a pretty tough situation. They asked him to throw the ball a lot more than you probably should have had to against an FCS team. But against Duke, he threw the ball a lot again, and he was pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, he was under 50% completions. You don't love to see that. But he did get over 300 yards first time in his career, so you got that. And he looked pretty good overall. He was able to get the deep ball going. We hadn't really seen that a lot. Even last year, we didn't see that a lot. But that's something new. And I was really encouraged by that more than anything else from his game. And, yeah, he looked okay. He was moving around pretty well. Um, made, went through his progressions. The completions weren't ideal. But, you know, it's, it's still just his second year. He's got a lot of room to grow still. So 
I'd say pretty feeling pretty good. About I think Thorson the so far. biggest concern for me with Clayton Thorson is still how he handles pressure. When teams bring more than four or five rushers, I think he's really struggled this year, and I think that's only going to get a lot harder because teams are going to understand. Northwestern's number one threat is Justin Jackson. So if you bring a lot of people and they're running it, great, you're going to tackle Justin Jackson. You bring a lot of people and they're throwing it, odds are Clayton Thorson at this point is not going to be able to make you pay enough to where that's a bad strategy. Yeah, the three touchdowns against Duke are he had man coverage and his receivers beat them, but I don't think teams are looking at the film and be like, well, we better not blitz Clayton Thorson. They're still going to say, we're going to keep doing it until he really proves like significantly that you you can't blitz him and get away with it. And that that's something that comes with time, too. Yeah. We can't really expect that. I mean, this is what, his 15th, 16th career game of his career now? Yeah. 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 So he's still a very young quarterback. He, his last year was his first year working with the offense. That's something that kind of comes as you go. Like, you got that, like, that raw natural talent like oh look he's got arm strength he can move around the pocket he can he has that like the quarterback iq though that's the thing that kind of takes a couple extra steps doesn't come right away and how much of do you, how much of it do you think is thorson struggling against pressure and how much of it is his offensive line not being good enough to give him time i think one thing he said he spoke to this on the press conference after the game is that he has to do a better job of just making the throw and taking the hit now, obviously, you don't want to see your quarterback get hit. But when the blitz comes, he's kind of quick to get it out and maybe sacrificing some accuracy. So I think part of it's on him, you know, just staying there and making the last read. But, I mean, the line has not been great so far this year, and you guys can talk about that more. Like, Especially from the, the tackle spots. It's really looked like you've seen the pressure come from the tackle spots a lot this year, and that's that's really tough as a quarterback, especially the blind side. If you're getting hit from the blind side, that especially to make those adjustments and – do all that in-game switching when you're just you know that hey there's still gonna be someone on my back in a couple seconds i had to know to like oh this is when i get rid of the ball this is when i roll out of the pocket that that's something that's really really difficult to do so i would i would say some of it like you said is on thorson but especially with the tackle spots that's got to be something that improves later and, this season. and it, it is a bit concerning recognizing that the tackle spots have struggled against a mac team albeit a good mac team an fcs team albeit a good fcs team and a really poor ACC team. Yeah. And this team is about to start Big Ten play. It's got Nebraska in the first week, and then it's going to Iowa, and then Michigan State, and then Indiana, and it's just going to keep yeah. piling. So the offensive line is going to have to improve, or this team's going to really struggle to move the football. I thought Duke threw, again, the players and coaches talked about it, Duke threw a lot of weird blitzes at Northwestern, and Northwestern did okay when they were in that five-spread set. But, like, the safety, if the safety ever blitzed, he was free in every time. If the corner blitz, he was free every time. If it was more than two linebackers, they had no chance of blocking. And, you, and you'd best believe teams are going to recognize that. They're going to watch film of that Duke game, and they're going to say, yeah, like you said, Amit, he threw three touchdowns, but there's still a long a long way, and you can make his life difficult. And if you have cornerbacks that you, th if you're a coach and you think, hey, I think my defensive back unit is solid, you're going to throw everything you have and hope that your cornerbacks don't get burned because, yeah, okay, Austin Carr best receiver in the Big Ten so far, as, as, as we'll point out. But the rest of that unit isn't exactly scaring you right now, and they, that's something, that again, that also needs to improve. But I've been, overall, you know, mildly impressed by the receiving core. Yeah, I think the receiving core has... It's been what we kind of hoped it would be. Nobody's going to fool themselves into thinking that this is a top-tier receiving core in this conference, mm -hmm. but they've provided more of an option for Clayton Thorson than they did last year, and I think that's what they hoped for. 
And Austin Carr, especially, this is something that Northwestern didn't really have last year. Austin Carr wasn't quite at that point yet, and there was no real number one receiver where he's like, oh, that's their there guy. Was, there was Dan Vitale, and then there yeah. was... Well, let's look back at Dan Vitale and see if he got open. <laughs> there yeah. was Christian Jones as a like supposed to be. So there was no receiver? number one receiver right. on the team last yeah. year. Again, um, the reads seem to be drop back. Vitale, oh shoot, he's not open. Looks is Vitale open yet? <laughs> Come on, Dan, you got to get open. <laughs> throw it away. Throw it away. Just yeah. throw it away, Clayton. That was that was the offensive yeah. passing game yeah. last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something that Northwestern certainly misses is Dan Vitale's presence too. And you mentioned that actually with the blitz too. That's something Vitale. Other than his pass catching, he was great at picking up those blitzes from someone who's not on the D-line, like a safety or a linebacker trying to blitz and giving Thorson that extra second. The Cats really haven't had that this year, that extra guy to come in and pick up the blitz where they need him to. And that's yeah. another place where he's Dickerson like, is a very good yeah. pass catcher, but he's not the best um, blocking super back that they have. The name is escaping me right now of their second super back. I should know who it is. Give me one second and I'll find it. But While Amit's looking up the second superback, let's talk about Justin Jackson. Northwestern's running back. He's a really good player. Didn't seem to get the ball that much against Illinois State. Uh, maybe got hurt in that game. Was was okay against Duke. How much of this is, are you concerned about Justin Jackson or does it go right back to that offensive line we talked about? I'm not concerned about Jackson much at all. I think in terms of just pure talent on the offensive side of the ball, he's the most talented guy on the offense. I feel pretty confident saying that. That's not a very hot take at all, but in terms of the blocking, for the especially the run blocking, that's that's a concern, and that's mm-hmm. something like against Duke, against Illinois State. These are teams that they should be able to to just you can't dominate get push against those teams. Yeah. You're not going to get pushed in the Big Ten. And I think the thing the thing about Jackson that's so impressive to me, and it's been on display in just about every game this year, is Justin Jackson is a really good player. At the line gets blown up, and it should be a two yard loss and he somehow turns it into a two-yard gain. Mm-hmm. They block it for one yard, he goes and gets four or five. He's really good at kind of squirting around contact and falling forward. He's not a pacey back where he's going to hit a hole and just take off, but he's really good at moving around, and he's agile enough to make that happen. That's exactly what you want with yeah. this offensive line, isn't it? Right. With an offensive line that, that has been struggling so far, it's safe to say. that That's the exact kind of bat that would fit with that team. So I think if there's any cause for hope that that, like what you mentioned, his running style works pretty well with what the Cats are going with, and that could be a sign of good things to come, maybe in the future. In the name of accuracy, the second string superback is Cameron Green, Cameron who Green. is supposedly, from what I've read and heard, is a, a good uh, blocking superback, as opposed to Garrett Dickerson, who's, I don't, I'm not saying he's bad, I'm just Garrett Dickerson is a pass-catching superback. Before we move on to the defense, Austin Miller's got to take a quick aside here. Came into this podcast thinking I was going to spend half of it watching Tigres take on Chivas in the Liga MX, but Univision Deportes decided that I would get Cruz's duel Toluca. So no Andre Pierre Gignacchi scoring during this podcast, at least on my computer, which is really frustrating, and I just needed to say that live is he, on the Is air. he a Lyon legend? He is. Andre Pierre Gignacchi is probably my favorite person playing soccer right now, and I don't think it's particularly close. You do know Landon Donovan came back. Landon Donovan is going to be the new logo of Sports Voice after dark. Thank you. It's only a matter of time. It's going to get there. I'll I'll pass that along to Jason Thoreau. We'll see what we can do. Maybe get Landon Donovan like his like outlet, his like outline in like that black and gold. Yeah, that'd be great. Probably the first and last time Andre Pierre Gignacchi makes an appearance on this podcast. uh, Did he also hit the post for France? Yeah, he was the guy that needed a goal. I yelped in the final of the Euro 2016. I yelped out loud because I thought he was going to score and I was going to be really happy because I love him. But yeah, Yeah, shout out to uh, Adair. 
He's close. Yeah. That was a weird match. All right. We, we're match. Back, to Back to the defense. Back to the defense. Back to the defense. Sorry about that. Just needed to complain. I've been impressed with the defense. And I think the defense has played really well. And I think they've been in two pretty tough situations where they're on the field for a lot of the game. I thought that was the only issue they had against Western Michigan. The offense couldn't stay on the field. And so when you ask the defense to play two-thirds of the game, that's difficult to do no matter in what shape you are. What are What is your thoughts on this defense? Okay, so I'm... I wouldn't say I'm disappointed by the defense. I wouldn't say they've actually met my expectations either. I've been a, I've been a little bit disappointed, but not too much. Like given the injuries they've had, given the stuff they've had to go through in the first couple weeks, like that's really tough. They lost three of their four starting defensive backs. That is that is it's really not great. Tough. And they're playing without their two superstar seniors on the defensive line from last year. They got to fill in those guys too. It's just a lot of stuff that needs to happen. And it turned out that their best player, the linebacker Anthony Walker, wasn't match fit. Yeah, it's a soccer term, but he wasn't one hundred percent sharp because he he had a few a nagging injury in the preseason that kind of slowed down his. Would have been nice to know the first two weeks when we were all roasting him. Yeah, but that's okay. We didn't need to know that. Um, I mean, it's like Anthony Davis. Another aside, oh, the season ends. He didn't have a great year. Yeah. Pelicans missed the playoffs. Turned out he tore his labor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's just how it works. Um, am I the only one who wants to eventually in one game this year see Dan Kubiak? Northwestern baseball pitcher and like ninth string quarterback have to come in and play cornerback because they're so hurt. Did that actually happen? It yeah. happened at practice apparently. Is that uh, true? He was on scout team corner. According to the Daily Northwestern, I Dan heard, Kubiak. I heard he was confused with Marcus McShepard. How do you confuse Dan Kubiak and Marcus McShepard? Same. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I think someone. We'll was... do some research, but if Dan Kubiak plays cornerback, I don't care what record Northwestern has. That'll make. They my need year. Dan Kubiak to stay healthy for this big baseball season coming up. Too. He's gonna be a huge part of their uh, rotation now that coming Reed up. Mason, now that Reed Mason is gone, he, he's, he's the guy. The starting. He's the ace. He's in the, <laughs> in, the, in, the <laughs> in the time that it took me to say that, Reed Mason checked over at first base twice and threw over once. <laughs> uh, finally, last thing on football here, Matt. Nebraska this weekend. Any hope? <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm with you here. Nebraska's yeah. looked pretty solid in their first three games. That win over that was Oregon was bad. really nice. Yeah, that's, a, that's good a good team there. And Tommy Armstrong Jr. is a passing quarterback. Uh, the secondary has been Northwestern's weakness. Uh, if Nebraska knows what's good for them, they're probably just going to pitch the ball around. You make a couple mistakes, you make a couple mistakes. I think if you say, we are going to throw the ball and score more than you are going to do whatever you do and score, they're probably going to Good news is Nebraska's secondary a little banged up, and given what Thorson was able to do last week against a not great secondary, this is going to be some replacements in maybe there for Nebraska. Maybe, so maybe Northwestern could really just go full revolution and be a passing team <laughs> and set up the pass so much that Justin Jackson just has a spread offense to run in. Cool, man. That's cool. Um, great. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I like the idea though, but I can almost guarantee you that's not going to happen. It's cool yeah, though. Yeah, it's fun no. to think about. Set up a West Coast offense. Be like I'm Derek a, big, Carr, I'm a State. big fan of the West Coast offense. Yeah, <laughs> that's just <laughs> Northwestern's not going to run it. No, no going to see some not. speed. I hope you like the speed option. Oh, speed see a lot of the speed option. This you week. a two-yard loss. Yeah, a two-yard loss. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm with you. I think Nebraska is going to probably win this one. Yeah, it is going to be pretty easy. Northwestern just plays well cr- against Nebraska. As the contrarian in the group, I will uh, predict that Northwestern will beat Nebraska just because they did Enjoy last year. I predict Northwestern only, to win. We only beat Nebraska at Nebraska. Okay, so quick aside. My family is from Nebraska originally. Both my parents were born in Nebraska, born and raised Nebraska Cornhusker fans. Me being the child that I was when I was five, I decided I don't want to root for Nebraska. I'm going to root for the stupid purple team. So I picked Northwestern. 
on came a childhood of absolute horrible sports memories. Needless to say, Northwestern Nebraska has always been a big deal for me because it's my team facing my parents' team. And we've beaten Nebraska at Nebraska, but we've not done very well against Nebraska here. We had a game where we were 14 points up in a pick six in one of our guys' hands, and it just hit his hands like a brick, and it just fell, and we lost that game. We had a game where they came for, I think it was homecoming. We wore gothic uniforms. We got beat 38-17. I think Northwestern hangs till halftime. Nebraska pulls away in the second half. That's been, that's been how this goes. seems very reasonable. Yeah. How, this seems to be how this has gone. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our next topic of discussion. The best team on Northwestern's campus, the 21st ranked nationally Northwestern women's soccer team, 9-0-0. They've been scored on once, count it, once this year. DePaul got an early goal in a road match. Northwestern battled back to win that one 2-1. It's impressive. It's kind of crazy, actually, when you think about it. Um, given just like how much hype every team gets on campus and I know we talked a little bit about the women's golf at least last year on Sportsers After Dark we talked about how women's golf was one of the low-key good teams on campus and they deserve some more some more props for what they've been doing and I think women's soccer is definitely in that conversation too and actually could be a fun conversation when both teams get into full in the middle of their seasons which one's better women's golf or women's soccer because they're they've both been just super good especially especially this year and um it's fun to see. It's fun to see a, a Northwestern team just go out and dominate like that. So this team last year made the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, they were boat raced by West Virginia, four goals in like 25 minutes. They kind of never knew what hit them. But they went out to Washington State in the first round and won a really, really successful year. Michael Moynihan has done a tremendous job with this program. The question coming into this year was going to be, is this team going to be able to score goals? They lost Addie Steiner, who transferred to Hawaii, and they lost Nikki Sebo, one of their best goal scorers from last year. And so far, Brenda Lavera's been up to the task of it. What's that? Five goals? Six goals? Five. Six goals. Six, Six goals, goals this year. She's Here's what she's really good at. She's really good at having a through ball played into her. She taps it on the corner of the box. She slides it across the face of Will and into the far post. And it's worked. It's gotten this team wins. Is it going to continue? Brenda Lavera is an unorthodox winger. She is big and powerful and she likes to dribble with the ball a lot and really hold up play in an offense that probably shouldn't be sticking the ball. And somehow she has managed to score six goals, and it's been very lucky, and it doesn't seem like she should be able to keep that up. She's a sophomore. She hasn't shown any real goal-scoring form before this. But I think it's one of those things where, like, you start scoring and you, you kind of have a breakout year and you just get that confidence. If you watch her play, she plays like she's the best player on the field, and she believes it. I bet if you asked her, like, am I gonna? Are you gonna score the next game? She said, I'm gonna score two. So, you know what? If she believes that, like, that's the type of thing where she's playing out of her mind, and it might continue at some point. Maybe it'll fall off, and you know, then someone else has to step up. But I think Northwestern can ride this Brenda Lavera wave for a while. You know, we'll see how it goes once they they've been on the at home for the last six games. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they respond playing away from home. But I'm a believer in Brenda Lavera for now. The question is. They don't have an out-and-out striker. They, they really don't. Nakia Smith has played Maddie up there. Maddie Lucas is probably the closest thing yeah. to a striker and on this roster. She's not 100% match fit in that she can run 90 minutes well. Or right. you don't even need to run 90 minutes in this in the women's soccer college-level game. Um, you, probably, you maybe need 60, 50. And she hasn't shown that yet, even when she did start. So if the goals dry up, or if Brenda Lavera isn't scoring, where are those goals coming from? And... You know, it's going to have to be on set pieces. They're, this is not a team, even though Brenda Lavera has made them look good, this is not a team that is, can score goals easily, even if they create a lot of shots. So 
But I think so. The positives for Northwesterners they are nine and zero. And the oh other yeah, positive. is that a positive? I, I think that's. I don't positive. mean to be berating the <laughs> no, team. No. I'm just looking forward to. Yeah. The big question. I think for it's me gonna. Is, this is the weekend where we're gonna find that out because they go on the road. They play a good Rutgers team that is one spot below them in the national rankings, and, and they play a Maryland team a, that can certainly challenge them. a Rutgers team that is out for blood after being upset last year in double overtime. Yeah, ninety minutes of deflected goal in. I called that match. So yeah, this is a big weekend for this team. I think if they go in and they pick up. Even if they have to, if they re- beat Rutgers, yeah, that's enough. If there's if there's maybe four points from this week, six points, obviously they're for real. Four points, I think you're feeling pretty good if you're Michael Moynihan. So this is going to be a big weekend, and there's a big stretch, as you said. They go away for that. They have another road game after that. Um, but the sky at this point kind of seems like it might be the limit if they keep defending like they're defending. They're not even letting good chances in. It's one thing that they keep the clean sheet, but it's not like Lauren Clem has been particularly heroic. She had a really nice save against Indiana, what was kind of a save she shouldn't have had to make. And against Purdue, I don't think she had a tough save, did she? Did you watch that game? Uh, she maybe had like she had a. I mean, she made a couple saves, but yeah, she has yet to make any major yeah, sort I, of saves. I, against Marquette, she made one really great save to keep it, but it wasn't even a nice shot. It was kind of deflection on a set piece. This defense just does not allow opportunities to be created, and, and it's I, it's been Sharples and Davison because they're able to play so high up the pitch that they cut out any opportunities that this any team has against Northwestern. And so you get the ball 40 yards from goal, and boom, Sharples and Davison are right there. They're cutting it off. They're not giving you any chances. And that's what's allowed them to be so successful. Matt, what do you kind of see as the expectations for this team looking at maybe NCAA tournament or Big Ten aspirations? And so just in terms of like what this team has been getting in terms of recognition, on the national stage, they just got back in the rankings today, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Give me one minute here. <laughs> this team was twenty fourth in the country. They were undefeated. They went and won two more matches. Didn't concede a goal, and somehow they dropped out of the polls. That's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know who the National Soccer Coaches Association of America are, but they are real bad at making polls. Why is it National of America? Mm-hmm. What? What other national? Maybe they was made it the polls be? and made the name at the same time. It was garbage. Anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah, talking about what this team could do in the future. For some reason, they haven't been getting that recognition that we seem to be giving them here. They're they are nine and zero. They've allowed one goal all year. We've got to go back to that point. That's that's good. I don't know a lot about soccer, but that is that is good. Um. And I think in terms of the ceiling for this team, they did make it to the tournament last year. They can make make some noise in the tournament. And soccer is such a game where. Like, a couple things go right for you in a game, that just switches everything. And yeah. that's... Anyone can win it's just game. It kind of makes more for more madness in the NCAA tournament. So it's hard to tell exactly, like, what what this team could do. And like you said, the, sky, the sky's the limit. If they can keep playing defense the way they're playing defense, man, they can keep going yeah. for a while. Uh, I had a chance to talk with Lauren Clem. Um, I did a feature on her for WNRSports.com. You can go check that out. She is now the program record holder in clean sheets, shutouts, whatever term you want to use, at Northwestern. And in talking with her, she and said... And consecutive shutout and minutes. And consecutive shutout minutes. She's phenomenal. There's no question about that. And the defense, too. Um, and in talking with her, she said, look, she was very frank. She said, last year we made the second round of the NCAA tournament. We want to make the third round of the NCAA tournament this year, the round of 16. And I think that's a phenomenal goal. And that's what I've enjoyed so much about Michael Moynihan as a manager of this team, is he is incredibly grounded. He's not going to convince his team that there's something that they're not. He knows they're good. They know they're good. But that doesn't mean that they're the best in the country or anything like that. But he says, look, if we set this goal as this and we go and meet that, we're going to have a darn successful season. And it's been this is a really fun team to be be around. 
they're a really fun team to call, and it's it's been really fun this year. Nine and zero is is certainly impressive. It's been it's been super. So fun. even after that start, like just as someone who's excited to watch this team play, would you be disappointed if they went to the went to the tournament and then let's say they did make it to the third round, but then they lost in that round of sixteen? Would that be a disappointing? It would season? all depend on situation. Like I would not. I don't. I, it's they could get a bad matchup. It's exactly, yeah. and it's it's gonna depend on. Can they convince the selection committee to give them home matches? Because the, I think at home, I mean, things... The way it works is if you, basically, you host two matches. So, you, yeah. So, you host... Well, the, two matches are... Yeah. Go ahead. So, here's how it works in women's soccer. It's a bit different than how it works in lacrosse. So, the first round is all campus sites, and you play a home game. The second and third round then are played at the same site. So, theoretically, if you host a second round game, you would also host a third round game. Or you could go play a second round game on a neutral site and then play a team on a home field in the third round game. So if Northwestern could somehow get into the top 16-ish of the rankings, then you could be hosting all the way through the round of 16, which would be phenomenal for them. And that's certainly what you would want. Yeah, and in the Big Ten tournament, they've got to be looking around and saying, you know, I think maybe, maybe a semifinals is the goal. I mean, it's short, right? Only eight teams make the Big Ten tournament. Yes. And last year, they were down to the quarterfinals to Michigan. They were the four seed, and they yeah. lost the five seed So, at home. Yeah. you know, only winning one game seems like not a big goal. But the Big Ten is a strong conference. Rutgers is good. Penn State is really good, although they're missing some players. For the yeah, that's what's so weird about NCAA women's soccer. Penn State is missing three or four of their best players because they're off with the USA U-20 national team getting ready for the World Cup. <laughs> so if there was one team, if there was one year that – Northwestern women's soccer could maybe win the Big Ten. You know, maybe you're even setting the goal, let's make the final of the Big Ten tournament. If I'm Michael Moynihan, like you said, he's grounded and he knows the way his team plays, but, you know, Big Ten tournament. There's a very big match looming for Northwestern on October 22nd when Minnesota, who is currently ninth in the country, comes to town. It's the same day as homecoming. We will have coverage of that match on WNUR Sports. We switched up our schedule to make sure that match got coverage because we know how big of a match it's going to be. So that... If you go to one Northwestern women's soccer game this year, that it's might be the be, one. It's going to be. It's going to be a big one. one. Yeah. Uh, homecoming day. It's certainly going to be a very big one. Um, is it a, in the afternoon? It is a six o'clock kickoff. So you go to football. Exactly. You enjoy yeah. yourself. Some good, clean American fun. Yep. Um, hopefully a beatdown of the Hoosiers. We'll probably not. B1G probably not. B1G win. win. Yep. Anyways, if it's a win or if it's a loss, you're just there to rise your spirits up with the, the right. greatest game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that sounds like a pretty fun Saturday. And how my Saturday will be spent is go and yak about Northwestern Indiana football for four hours, and then go <laughs> yak about Northwestern women's soccer for another two hours. What a so day. Back-to-back broadcast, baby. Back-to-back wow. broadcast. Going to do it. Going to make it happen. It's going to be a great yeah, day. It's going to yeah. be a phenomenal day. So, yeah, uh, Northwestern women's soccer, best team on campus, really exciting. Uh, they've been fun to watch all year, um, and I think they've got a – it's a big weekend coming up, uh, and I'm really excited to see them kind of get challenged. And I think Michael Moynihan and this team, they're ready to be challenged. They're tired of beating up on teams on their home field. They're ready to go somewhere else and prove that they belong. So I think that's what's going to make this week pretty fun. Uh, moving on to our final topic before the lightning round. Uh, quick aside again, I did find the Tigres Guadalajara match. It's on Unimas. So credit to Univision Deportes. They do have their stuff together. I was, I falsely accused them of being bad earlier. I do apologize. Bonus lightning round question. Where's uh, the... Monday Night Football match for next week being played, Matt McHugh. Oh, uh, Mexico City? Not next week. Oh. Later this year, though. Later, Later this, year, this year. Later this year. Do you know what the name of the stadium is? In Mexico City? Yes. Or, mm, no. Matt. It's the Estadio Azteca. 
home of uh, Club America. One of, one of the most legendary venues in all of soccer. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, there was no points the really. on, the, on the line, but... Um, a Club America team that just fired their manager and is struggling in Liga Max. But I do digress. Northwestern Volleyball, first year under new head coach Shane Davis after Keeler Chan was let go at the end of last year. Rip in peace, Keeler Chan, 16 years with the program. Uh, but Shane Davis, a highly regarded coach in his own right, coming in from the Loyola men's program in his first year. He won two back-to-back national championships with that men's program. He's a real good coach. What have you made of Northwestern Volleyball so far? Some up and down results. They've played in three tournaments? Four tournaments. They've gone to such exotic locales as Cedar Falls, Nashville, Dayton, and Charlottesville. So, I don't know if you can pick four better American cities to spend fall weekends in. Yeah, what a, what a, what a season. The fall colors in Cedar Falls are not to be missed. That is all I will say about that. But some mixed results. But in terms of the volleyball, yeah, the play itself, it's been... Okay, yeah. they've been fine, uh, yeah. and that's kind of what the last 16 years were for Northwestern Volleyball. Was. Hence, yeah. Okay, yeah. it's fine. It's been the Jeff Fisher of Big Ten yeah. Volleyball. Is um, Keeler Chan actually Jeff Fisher? Oh. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Tune in next week for WNUR's <laughs> exclusive podcast. That's the best take I've More heard. like <laughs> Keeler Fisher. Wow. Whoa. Yowza. Discoveries being made. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Um, I'm just yeah. going to sit here mind blown by They're that They're sitting comparison. at a, a very nice 7-5 and five right yep, now. There you go. Um, and yeah, the, we, I did watch some of the last game. They played Northern Iowa. They didn't look great. I did too. Yeah, that one was not a good one. I've watched yeah. three Northwestern matches this year. I watched them lose to Lipscomb. I watched them defeat North Dakota State. And I watched them lose to Northern Iowa. So, it's the team, like, there are pieces there. There's no doubt about that. Taylor Tashima is a very good setter. Simone Abbott. Simone Abbott is a phenomenally talented player. There's a couple of good middle blockers. I like some of the freshmen they have. It's a, they're solid pieces. But it's also pretty clear that this is not the team that Shane Davis is going to have. And Shane Davis will tell you that, and anyone involved in the program will tell you that. And that's okay. Shane Davis is making the best of this situation. He's going to try and work with the pieces that he has. And that's that's to be expected, right? It's his first season. That's what happens for a coach when they walk in and take over someone else's team, basically. It's like, Kelly Chain built this program. This is That's, that's the team. And uh, Shane Davis hasn't really had much of a say in any of the personnel whatsoever. So he kind of mixes and matches. We've already seen that a little bit. We've seen Kaylee Ryan come in a little bit more, do some two-setter sets there, take a little bit of the uh, dominance away from Tashima, uh, from what she's been doing. So... Just kind of mixing it up, kind of playing around with the pieces he has, and that's kind of what you all you can ask him to do really is just, just kind of mix and match a little bit with what you have for now, and then bring your people in and work them in, and then get your team in a couple years. We'll see. This is going to be Shane Davis's. Team. It feels like this is a kind of two or three year project for Shane Davis. He's going to take the pieces that he has. There are some young pieces there. There are some pieces that he's going to have for the near future. Bring in his own players. I'm sure that they will be very talented if I know how good of a coach Shane Davis is. And then work from there. And so this year has always been... It's not to say that this year isn't about winning because anytime you play any sort of sporting activity, you want to win. But Shane Davis is not terribly concerned with the raw win-loss record of his team. It's about how they play and how they develop. You may dare say uh, trust the process for this one as they're is working that fair, on Mitt? Is that fair? <laughs> some of the uh, new players. As in. a notable expert in trust the process, <laughs> I believe that's fair for not only the volleyball team, for the baseball team as well. Yep. I digress with that, but... You know, actually, very similar. If you think about the new coach comes in and uh, takes over an entire program. Shane Davis working Shane Davis working from a facility. little bit more than Spencer Oh, obviously, Allen, yeah. There's, 
the, the um, baseball talent. <laughs> now, another thing worth remembering is that Northwestern plays in the Big Ten, and Big Ten volleyball is by and far the hardest, by far by, by far, far close. by and large. English by and large. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. I'm taking Latin today. Yeah, I don't know. My brain's fried. <laughs> is by and large the hardest conference to play volleyball in. Big Ten volleyball is insane. There are many powerhouses. Penn State, who we upset last year. Wisconsin, Nebraska, Minnesota, and not to mention there are some other good teams in there that are just like those are powerhouses. And then every Ohio year, State, Ohio yeah. State is good, you know. And it's really tough to build a team that's going to crack the rankings or that can compete and to make the NCAA tournament and get wins when you're in such a hard conference. That's what they brought in Shane Davis to one recruit a team that's on par with those players, and then two coach a team. And obviously, this year was not the year. No one had any expectations that he that he was going to do that. So, like you guys said, it's really about him developing the players, seeing what he has, seeing what works and what doesn't, and then, you know, really attacking those teams in the next few years. I think the thing, the Big Ten is the best of the volleyball conferences, but that can be a recruiting pitch for Shane Davis as well. Players want to play in the Big Ten. And so even though you're Northwestern, you might not have that history, you have the fact that you play in the best conference there. Um, For... Probably 95% of college volleyball players, 97 maybe, this is it. This is the highest level that you will ever play volleyball at. You know, there's only 18 spots on the Olympic team. Unless you're planning on living in Turkey or perhaps South America, you're probably not going to play professionally. So you want to put yourself at the highest level, and Northwestern gives players opportunities to do that while also preparing them for the inevitability that this is it for volleyball. And another baseball comparison, Spencer Allen has that new shiny toy that we've talked about on previous podcasts, his new stadium. Same thing coming with Shane Davis and his new renovations to Walsh Ryan Arena. It's going to take a year, and that year, I'm sure that... Who wants to play at Evanston Township High School (laughs) next year, baby? That's going to be a really fun topic once we get there, how that's going to affect our teams, but... So, I I can tell you, uh, covering soccer last year, who was displaced, it is... A drag, and I yeah. talked with both Michael Moynihan and Lauren Clum about this, and they said it was fun to play at a professional stadium, but it's not fun to have to drive 15 minutes every single day to practice. You can't get out to the pitch early and work on things. You can't stay late and work on things. So you got to take a bus and you got to get back to campus. And once you're doing classes, it's it's a lot harder than you'd think. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that's going to affect volleyball next year and how that's going to affect both basketball programs, wherever they do end up. And wrestling, too. And wrestling, too, because it's not just playing games away from campus. In some cases, it's even practicing away from campus. I still think the long-term recruiting pitch, though, that's the thing to be most excited yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, what's coming after that? And right. And this is, this is kind of that step in between. Like, we're, okay, yeah, they're working on some things. We're going to – that year in between hitting buses and stuff may not be the best year. May not be the best year to sell people on coming. But talk about what's going to come. That yeah. great new arena. We've got that, all the new <laughs> athletic facilities that Northwestern – Third is, tier. Third tier yeah. behind the basket with about 17 seats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Oh, yeah. Ready for it. <laughs> Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be – that's something you can sell. And that whole, like, new culture of basketball, hey, Shane Davis, it, it, this isn't the same thing. We're not that, like, okay Big Ten team anymore. Yeah. We're trying to be something else. And yeah. just selling some players on that could be enough. Like, hey, we're trying to build something really cool here, something new, something exciting, and people might want to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, my question for you guys is that while we've said this year is obviously a transition year for Shane Davis and the program – is there a chance they could sniff their way into an NCAA tournament berth? 
I've been told that the, the threshold, and in general, not that I've been told, the cutoff is around 17 wins as a Big Ten school. Not for any program, because Northwestern plays at the Big Ten, it's 17 wins. They are 7-5, and five, which is a decent non-conference, you know, takeaway. They maybe could have not dropped some games to to Lipscomb and or not sorry to not, they should have probably lost to Lipscomb but Ole Miss the five setter when they were 2-0 up was difficult the five setter to Xavier after they gave Dane the run for their money yeah. they were just tired and that's tough when you have to play two games in one day but so seven and five there's 20 games of Big Ten play can they squeeze 10 wins out of it is there a scenario that you guys imagine maybe you want to go game by game or just in general can, can they squeeze 10 wins out of Big Ten play Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, maybe. Um, again, this is kind of what we've been talking about. This is, what, this is kind of what I thought about the team last year, too, was they're okay. They've got some nice pieces. They have some, some talent here and there, and that will get you some wins. They're going to win some games in Big Ten play, and they're going to do okay. They'll beat up on some teams. They'll beat up on some teams. Hi, Maryland. Yeah. Thanks for playing. <laughs> um, and they'll win some games. They'll, they'll, they'll rob a game. They'll have a Penn State game like last year where they'll, they'll rob a game. and Don't think Penn State's going to come in here and lose this year. Penn State's not going to come in here and lose this year. But they'll have a game like that, like that where they'll yeah. beat someone that they're not supposed to beat. That's but then they'll also happens. have games where they go some and play frustrating someone that is probably less talented than they are and they're going to I think it's going to be right around that. I yeah. would probably say 8-12 and 12 Big Ten record if I had to put a guess on it. I think they'll fall just short, and I think that's okay. Yeah, so that's looking okay. at it, they have Penn State twice. Not, not ideal. Not ideal. They have Wisconsin once. What about Ohio State? I know Ohio State's good. Taylor Sambo. They got Ohio State twice. They have Ohio State twice. Mm, yeah. mm. They have Minnesota twice. How many times did they get Illinois Maryland? is also good. Uh, only once for Maryland. See, that's not good. You want to play Maryland as many times as possible. Yeah. Maryland's real bad. Uh, that's pretty, pretty much my only Big Ten take. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's not great in terms of how schedules yeah. uh, break out, and I but think it does it does mean that if you get ten wins, you're probably in the tournament because yeah. you had to play hard for guys. Yeah, so yeah, it'll be it's interesting possible, to see. but it's not. It's a fun exactly program to look at, knowing that three four years down the road they're going to be pretty darn good. All right. I think we're ready, Emmett. All right. Is it time well, ready? this is much anticipated lightning round, maybe the most anticipated lightning round ever. Point of contention here. Last two weeks, you have not had people do rock, paper, scissors to play first. I know. That's bad on them. We are doing rock, paper, right. scissors. I think it's fair because I asked them. I shouldn't ask them. Yeah, no. No, it's got to no. be rock, paper, scissors. There's an advantage to going second. Yeah. I don't you know, know if you know. I mean, you know what you Or is it like a penalty kick thing? 60% of the time, the first team in a penalty kick shootout wins. Yeah. Because the pressure of going yeah. second can often hurt you. I don't know. We'll, I don't know. we'll, we'll just see what we'll happens. We'll find out. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oof. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Four times. Four Matt times. You won in triple overtime. Yeah. Would you like to go first or second? <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to go second. I can handle the pressure. Oh, I got oh wow. So, a quick reminder for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, you should probably know if you're listening to this podcast. The way the lightning round works is it's a sports news quiz. Each contestant gets 10 questions in a row, one at a time, and they increase difficulty. There are three easy questions, each worth a point. Three medium questions, each worth two points. Three hard questions, each worth three points. And a Philly sports special that is worth four points. We have studied up on our Philly sports specials. Already. At least I have. Philadelphia well, Union, here we go. So, is Austin Miller going first? I am, yeah. Matt McHugh yep. second. So. All right, so here we go. Can I, can I, can I face uh, the south direction? So do I get to choose my direction since he got to choose first? <laughs> yeah, I think you get to choose. <laughs> Good. Good. Should have deferred. Coin flip game. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that would have been a move to oh. defer. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that wow. That would have been a mind game. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, easy question. Here we go. 
Who had a perfect game, broke it up in the eighth inning for the Blue Jays? Oh, Blue Jays fan here, Marco Estrada. That is correct. Yeah, that's the one, one baseball point, question one I'm going to get. for Austin Miller. Number two, easy question. Which player did Michael Vick say is ten times better than he was in college, maybe five times, after leading a 63-point performance yep. on Sunday? It is the Louisville Cardinals quarterback, and his name is Lamar Jackson. That is correct. <laughs> Two College points. football and baseball, my two, two worst points. sports. Here's, got here's, two a, here's a softball for you. Yep. Who upset Manchester United on the weekend after a game-winning goal from Juan Zuniga? Troy Deeney. Watford. Juan, yeah, yeah, Troy Deeney plays for Watford. I don't know why I said Troy I'll Deeney. give you That's that because even though you didn't say Watford, you knew it was yeah, Watford. I, I don't no know one, why I said No one in their right mind would say Troy Deeney yeah. without knowing who yeah. he plays for. Juan Camilo Nuzzi. So three for three from easy questions. Well done, Austin. I'm so glad I didn't get that question. <laughs> Here comes the Would have been a bad easy one. <laughs> Here comes the medium question. Okay. Which goalie made 44 saves to defeat North America during the World Cup of Hockey? North America, they just played a European nation. Pecorine? Good guess. It it's was Russia, guess. Okay. and it was Sergei Bobrovsky. Okay. Flyers legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Could have been yeah, a Philly yeah. sports special. All right, that's, oh, not that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. It would have been a stretch. For here's, a medium, here's a medium question. That's Still with three points. Yep. Who will start at quarterback for the Browns next weekend after RG3 and Josh McCown are out? Cody Kessler, baby. That is correct. Cody Kessler, yeah. go Trojans. Five points for Austin Miller. This is shaping up to be a, a well-played lightning round. Which Oriole, Baltimore oh, Oriole, <laughs> has the historical oddity of having at least 100 at bats and no RBIs. Oh, I know. He is their backup catcher. <laughs> oh, I know. Who it gives it away. I know who their starting catcher <laughs> is. Who is it? Their starting catcher is Matt Weeder. Well, it's not him. So can um, you name the backup catcher? He rakes. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Matt McHugh saying anyone is rakes is they're <laughs> not good. <laughs> Is it, a, is, it a, is it a Molina brother? No. no. Good. No, not We're gonna, I'm not just going to guess it's, Benji Molina. No, it's Caleb, Caleb Joseph. Joseph. Matt yeah, would have yeah, gotten that one, but that's okay. So on to the hard ones. Here's one where you could get partial credit. Okay. Um, it's three points if you get it right, but if you there's two potential answers. If you get one of them, you get a point. Okay. Giannis Antetokounmpo okay, yeah, signed yeah, yeah. a four-year, $100 million contract yep. extension this week with the Bucks. Yep. Can you name the other two European players to have signed $100 million contracts? Yikes. European players in the NBA. So does this mean they are from a European country? Yeah, and they've signed a $100 million contract. Okay. Um, Dirk Nowitzki? Nope. Good Tony guess. Parker? No. So it's Marc Gasol okay. and Nick Batum who signed oh, his this okay. offseason. Okay. Marc Gasol, I thought, was kind of gettable. Nick Batum, really hard. I, I guess two pretty I decent couldn't, I couldn't have gotten players, Batum. So. so here comes the next hard question. This one is real hard. Uh, maybe also a borderline Philly sports special? Who quarterbacked North Dakota State to an oh, FBS upset over Iowa? He's <laughs> not Carson Wentz. Uh, we were watching the game and we just kept God. saying he was Carson Wentz. <laughs> it's uh, his name is Easton Stick. Yeah, I watched the end of that game, but I watched it on mute. Yeah, okay, that's a hard. Question. Uh, all right, here's the Landon Donovan question. Okay, um, working to make that a, a feature of the week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe there's not enough news for it. Yep. But here we go. Sports Voice After Dark legend Landon Donovan scored his first goal since coming out of retirement on Sunday. Yep. To tie Sporting Kansas City. Yep. Can you name who gave him the assist? It's a, gal a Galaxy okay. defender. A Galaxy defender. I can name who scored the other goal for the Galaxy. That's, that was that's Alan Gordon. Do it for you. Um, okay, I gotta work my way through here. Let's see. They got rid of that Dutch guy who kept yakking people in the knee. Picked him off. Yeah, they got rid of him, so it's not him. Um, can I get a country? America. Oh, 
Is it Sebastian Letgett? Nope, it's Robbie Rogers. Oh, Robbie is Robbie. You're right, he's, he's American. American. Okay, Darn it. I was gonna guess. So here is the Philly Sports Special, <sighs> also an MLS question. Dang it! That was not <laughs> one of the two that I studied. What was significant about Chris Pontius's goal for the Union on Saturday in their two-one loss to the Timbers? It was a very significant goal for the franchise. Was it their? Okay, it's not gonna be their one hundredth. Was it their one thousandth goal? No, in between, it was their 300th goal. That's not significant. <laughs> That's a terrible question. Well, I would have asked who scored the goal, but I was afraid you guys studied too much about the union. 300? That's a terrible question. 300th is not significant. Okay. 100th is significant, 1,000th is significant. I'll give you a backup Philly sports Thank question. Thank you, because that's that a terrible really question. Can you name what? the Eagles' third tight end who scored a touchdown? Trey Burton from Florida. He gets two points. Oh, yeah. That was, that was good that he got that one. Well done on getting Trey Burton. Because that was a ridiculously <laughs> terrible question. I should have gotten 10 points. Right. 300 goals is not significant All right, whatsoever. Well, it's the Philly Sports Special. Emphasis on the special. All right, so seven points from Austin Miller, which turned out to be average, boosted by three of three on the easy round, a medium question for Cody Kessler, and... The backup Philly sports question, which I made off the top of my head. Well done. That's a good one. Thank you. I watched that whole game because I needed Jay Cutler to get me fantasy points. That did not happen. Yeah. Jay Cutler is the drug I cannot quit in fantasy. That's a bad idea. Has a good chance at this. I got this. He needs seven points. Give me the soccer. Give me the soccer. Too bad. Yeah, too bad. Do you want the the soccer one first? Yes. (laughs) There's two soccers in this question. Yes. Oh, I'm ready. In this set. Okay. (laughs) Number one soccer question. Easy. Which English player is out for at least the foreseeable future with an ankle injury after scoring the winner against Sunderland? So Len Donovan's not English. <laughs> no. Pele doesn't play anymore. No. <laughs> uh, Running out of soccer players. Uh, me, no. Uh, <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, Lionel Messi. If I gave no. you a hit, you would get it. But I can't give you. A oh, point. who's the dude with the man bun? No. Uh, <laughs> not, not English. It's, it's, it's Harry Kane. Oh, oh, I know you. Know, you I know only know him because he plays on Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, next question. This is an easy one up your alley. Jacoby Brissett, a third-string quarterback, played for the second half and will start next week for which two and O team? Uh, New England Patriots. That is correct. That's that's like a super easy question. You oh, come three on, out of three. That's a super. You got easy the Caleb question. Joseph question. Okay. <laughs> Here's the next easy question, which I know you also know. Uh, which two MLB players sparked a benches clearing fight oh, on Monday not. night Dang and it. have a history of beef? Bumgarner, alleged racist, or alleged racist Bumgarner and Puig. All right, correct. So two points out of three. Those are the best Twitter. Here are the medium seen. questions. Which team in the FBS top ten benched their starting quarterback during a sluggish home performance? Ooh. I don't know this one. Uh, Florida State. Nope. Wisconsin. Oh, oh that's not who I would. They benched with. Bart Houston. Did LSU oh, bench did. their quarterback this week? They, I know they started a different guy. Uh, I would have contested because I would have right, said LSU. Right. Well, so two, but it doesn't two, matter because you Florida State. Something so far. Here's the next medium question: Which two countries, represented by Marin Silic and Juan Martín Del Potro, respectively, oh advanced to the Davis Cup Finals in tennis? Ooh. What were the names again? Marin Silic, country for him. Mm. Uh, Italy. Nope. Well, Croatia and Juan no. Martin Del Potro. Spain. Argentina. Close Argentina. No, I didn't know that. All right, Not so close either. <laughs> last medium question. You might know this one. Who threw for three touchdowns and the most pass yards, passing yards in week two in the NFL? Oh. Um, Derek Carr. No. 
<laughs> it was who he was facing, Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. Matty Ryan. Ice. So two points, and you have three medium questions and a Philly sports special. You three need, hard you, questions. Three hard right, ones. You're going to need these. I'm ready. Uh, Everton were upset 2-0 nope. by which championship team oh. on Tuesday who only took one. two shots on goal? I can name who scored one of their goals, too. Oh, it's an Everton player, Stephen Naismith, to yes. give you a hint. Is it the San Jose Earthquakes? No, it is oh, uh, North <laughs> Wingrove's favorite team, the Forest City. Uh, okay, it's getting dicey right. here. Next hard question. You might know this one. Who quarterbacked California to an upset win over number 11 Texas? Jeez. Oh, oh. Hint, he was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams this year. No. <laughs> yes, he was. Just like Carson Wentz is still yep. in North Dakota. State. <laughs> yep. Um, Aaron Rodgers actually went back to school. Nah, I don't remember the dude's name. Uh, it's Webb. Yeah. All right. Da- oh, is it Davis Webb? Davis, Webb. Davis Webb. Yeah. I don't. I didn't so know. So you cow. need these yeah. next two to win. I'm. I'm ready. He needs rapper, both of them. Yeah. Rapper question. Oh, I'll get the rapper the question of the week. Let's go. Team North America during the World Cup of Hockey. It's hockey. Yo. Have asked for which two rappers. To be played during their goal song. Oh boy! Yikes! <laughs> oh, there's a man. certain song that hockey players would play. Oh wow! If I give you the name of the song, I can take off a point. That would probably still not help. Do you want it. that? The yeah. name of the song is Stick Talk. Yeah, that is not helpful. That is that is not uh, helpful. I'm gonna guess a rapper. Hold on. Uh, there's two of them. All right, I'm gonna guess a rapper. We're gonna guess. Um, we're gonna. Yes, Pitbull. Nope. Oh man, it's, uh, Drake and Future. Oh, that was actually that. Jason Darrell would be upset with yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for consolation no, I points, I like Philly Pitbull, Sports yeah. Special, a rather easy one. Who threw a three-hit shutout of the? I Marlins knew this one. I know it. I know it. <laughs> Who threw a three-hit shutout of the Marlins on Saturday? Mm. It's a Phillies pitcher. I'm stealing it if you don't get it. Is it Vince Velasquez? No. Jeremy Hellickson. Oh, I knew well, this one. Trade bait. Who never got traded? Two points <laughs> Not for great. Matt McHugh. A rough week. Not great. I was it's hoping okay. that Earthquakes question would help me yeah, out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Austin Miller, the winner, is one and one. Matt McHugh, I don't know your I'm record. falling to one and two. That's all right. Um, it's a tough well loss. Well done, Austin Miller. Off my back. Um, thanks for another great sports yeah. after dark. Uh, Go Cats. All Northwestern. And in case you were wondering, each of the three sports we talked about today will eventually have their own podcast on WNR Sports. Thanks to our podcast master, Willie Nilly Greer. He's the one. So yeah. be sure to check those out. Uh, football prod podcast that should drop this week, previewing Nebraska and national college football. We'll have a soccer and a volleyball podcast coming at you in the near future. Sports Twist After Dark will return to its general potpourri of sport topics curated by Amit Malik. Wow, those are some big words we just dropped. Thanks for listening. <laughs> for my co-hosts, Matt McHugh and our producer, Mint Malik. This has been another thrilling episode of Sports Voice After Dark. Be sure to check us out next week. Thanks for listening.